Well, church, it is time for us to open up the scriptures on this Palm Sunday and hear what God would say to us from God's word. If you have your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 19. We're going to start in verses 28, go all the way to verse 40. Before we get into this, I just want to say a couple of things. The first of which is it is always a joy to see other people, especially within this church, walk into their calling. And I want to highlight one of our members who just recently moved away from the city of Pensacola, and that is Leanne Shaw. And Leanne has been attending our church since a little bit before the pandemic started. And she has been an excellent asset to our church. Um, I can feel her prayers. I can feel her energy every Sunday morning in the comment section or sharing the service. She's also been a crucial member of the community as well. Uh, doing certain community events and things that enhance the city of Pensacola. So we just want to say thank you so much, Leanne, for being uh, a part of our church and continuing to be a part of our church online. But we just want to speak the blessings of God as you move um, in a time of a pandemic. Shifting is very, very difficult. So if you would stretch your hands toward wherever you are, wherever you're watching, we are going to lift up Leanne in prayer as she transitions. God in heaven, we thank you that you know all things, you see all things, and before time was, you knew where we were going to be, you ordered the times that we live in, so that we would seek you and find you, because you are not far from any of us. And we lift up Leanne, our sister, to you right now, and we say, God, would you create an open door in whatever place and whatever area she needs it in? God, would you send good friends and family members who are going to encamp around about her and lift her up? God, would you protect her in this transition? Would you give her supernatural favor wherever she needs to go as far as work, whatever she needs to do as far as her career and her calling? And would you get the glory out of her life? Would you bless her and keep her as only you can? In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Well, blessings to you, Leanne, as you transition to a new city. I also wanna say this before we get into our text today that uh, just in case, this is just a note from me to you. I, I get so much joy from being your pastor. I hope you realize that and I hope you understand that I do not in any way, shape or form think about this role as I have to pastor New Dimensions. I think about it as I get to pastor New Dimensions. You bring me so much joy. I love you. Every time I think about you, I thank God for you. So I just want to say that, you know, because sometimes in the midst of everything, it's been a while since we've seen each other. And, and it's been a while since we've probably talked or been in close proximity in person. So I just want to say that you bring me so much joy and that my default is this is a blessing, not a burden. Um, this is the great honor of my life. So I just want to say that and I always want to remind you of that. Luke chapter 19, you can um, see it wherever you are or you can also see it on the screen as well. Luke chapter 19, verse 28 it says, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the coat, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, 
The crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Verse 39 says some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Verse 40 says, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. If I had to tag this text, I would tag it with this title. It's not what it looks like. (laughs) It is not what it looks like. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you so much for your word. May your word come alive on the inside of us. There can't be a fire in anyone's place if there's an iceberg behind this cyber pulpit. So God, would you light me on fire that I may burn for you, burn for your truth, your justice and your love. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, in whom I trust. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, it has been over a year since this pandemic started. Have you realized that? It's been over a year and it's really surreal to think about. It's overwhelming to think about as well, because in many ways it has shaped so much of our lives moving forward. It shaped the future of this country. It shaped the future of many of our families for good or for bad. And when I was thinking about the pandemic, I'm actually in a a number of pastors groups. And in these pastors groups, we talk about some strategies for how to move back into in-person. These are pastors from across the country. And we also talk about our souls and our hearts and how we have responded in the midst of the pandemic. And so I I thought about this in the context of that group as we were talking. And I said, what would I be able to say to myself if I could go back and talk to myself at the beginning of the pandemic? What would I say to myself? I actually went back and looked at some old uh, posts that I had made. I actually went back and looked at some old news reports when the pandemic was first getting out there when people are first talking about it, and all the things now seem comical in hindsight because we thought that this would be a short run. We thought that this would be a short-term reality. We didn't realize that we weren't going to be able to go back to normal as we first had experienced it. That life would have changed completely. And if I could go back and talk to myself, I would say the pandemic is not what it looks like. That's what I would say to myself. It's not what it looks like. Uh, Furthermore, I was reading an article in the New York Magazine. It's an article entitled How the West Lost COVID by David Wallace Wells. Would commend it to you. It's the subtitle of this is how did so many countries, rich countries, get it so wrong and how did others get it so right? And there was a particular uh, epidemiologist in this article who had a quote. It's a guy named uh, Greg Gonzalez. Greg, he put it like this and it was very, very telling. He said, the virus is the virus. There's ways to stop it. And then there's, and he pauses for a moment. It has its own logic and its own trajectory. In other words, you can come up with what you think would work for the virus to prevent or stop it from reaching and harming as many people as it has. But the reality of the matter is it's not what it looks like. It's not what you first perceive. And this is not just true in the context of the virus. It's also true in the context of our day. It's also true in the context of what we are here to talk about and celebrate. Obviously, if you have been in church for any length of time, you know that today is considered Palm Sunday. And all the good Bible readers know that this is a predicted prophecy in the book of Zechariah that that the Messiah would come in riding on the coat of a donkey. 
The Messiah would come in and the people of that day, the people of God, knew about that prophecy and were eagerly awaiting for the Messiah to come and fulfill that prophecy so that they could be saved in the way that they expected to be saved. Stay with me, church. Because if all you knew about this particular text and this particular day was the fact that Jesus was praised, was the fact that Jesus was lifted up, was the, was the fact that Jesus was applauded by people. You might think that this was a celebratory time in Jesus's life and ministry. But the sad reality of the fact is that Palm Sunday precedes and starts the Holy Week. Palm Sunday is the moment, is the catalyst for the crucifixion. Palm Sunday is the moment in which Jesus cements the fact that he is going to die for the sins of the world. In other words, it's not what it looks like. And I'm here to tell you, church, that Palm Sunday is a case study on what it means to be misunderstood. Catch this, church. Palm Sunday is a case study on what it means to be misunderstood. Have you ever been a part of something that was misunderstood? No, scratch that better question. This is personal. Have you ever been misunderstood? Now, if we were in person, I would tell you to tap your neighbor and tell him I've been misunderstood, but but I can't see your face, but I think I know your story. Can you do me a favor and put a hand up in the comments if you've been misunderstood? You know what? Scratch that. Put a hand up in the comments if you've been misunderstood recently. What is it like to be misunderstood? Have you ever had your words twisted and used against you? Have you ever had your actions taken and misinterpreted? Have you ever had the expression of your feelings misunderstood? And the reality is all of us in some context, in some way, in some shape or form, know what it's like to be misunderstood. We know what it's like to be misinterpreted. And here's the truth of the matter. All of us can think of the reality of, of when we were doing the right things, living the right way, talking the right way, doing things the right way, and still people took it the wrong way. We know what it's like to be misunderstood. And church, I hate to give you such a harsh, a harsh truth on Palm Sunday, but please understand this. Catch this. The second you decided to follow Jesus, you signed up to be misunderstood. <laughs> Can I say it again? The second you decided to follow Jesus, you signed up to be misunderstood. Can I say it one more time for the people who put me on mute intentionally so they didn't have to hear it again? The second you decided to follow Jesus, you signed up to be misunderstood. You might not have known it or comprehended it or believed it at the time. But part of what it means to follow Jesus in this life is to accept being misunderstood. Part of what it means to follow the call, the hard road, the narrow road of following Jesus is being misunderstood by people, being misunderstood by the masses. I'm here to encourage some people this morning on Palm Sunday that if you are presently in the midst of being misunderstood, if you have had your words twisted against you, if you have had your life picked apart by people who don't know you that well, if you've been stabbed in the back, if you've been betrayed, if what you have done has been miscast and misinterpreted in a good or a bad way, I'm here to tell you, you're a part of good company. Jesus knows what, it, what it's like to be misunderstood. Jesus knows what it's like to be misinterpreted. Jesus knows what it's like for the masses to treat him in a way that he did not come to be treated. Jesus knows what it's like to be misunderstood. This is the truth of Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday teaches us that the crowd didn't truly understand why Jesus was here. 
And if the crowd was misunderstood about Jesus, we also can be misunderstood about Jesus as well. So let's set the record straight. What did some people in the crowd come to see? What did some people in the crowd come to do? How did they misunderstand Jesus? Well, I think they misunderstood Jesus in three ways. Here's the first way. The crowd came to see. The crowd came to see. Uh, Take a look at this passage of scripture in Luke chapter 19, verse 34. After the disciples had said that Jesus has need of this particular coat of a donkey, as Jesus sits on the donkey, people spread their cloaks on the road. This is celebratory, triumphant. It is supposed to signify that Jesus is a king. More on that in a second. When he came near to the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices, catch this, for all the miracles they had seen. It is interesting because they are praising and clapping and shouting. Why? Because of the miracles. There's something interesting that's happening in the chronological timeline. This is hard for many people to understand because of the fact that we have four Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Do I have some Bible readers in the house? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are considered synoptic gospels. That means, according to the theological writers, that they come from the same point of view. They tell similar stories. But John is a little bit different. John is constricted in its scope. John is limited in its reality and what it covers. It only covers a little bit. And because of that, you might not see the fact that there's a connection point here. You might not see the fact that something had happened right before this passage in Luke chapter 19 that preceded the people being excited about Jesus coming. And that's this reality, his greatest miracle. He raises Lazarus from the dead. You know the story. Lazarus is sick, ends up dying because Jesus delayed for a couple of days. Then Jesus comes to the grave and the tomb of Lazarus after he'd been dead for a few days. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus steps out and people are shocked because Lazarus was thinking he was so dead. But Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, though they may be dead, yet shall they live. And what's so interesting is there was a select few people, maybe a lot of people in the crowd who were praising Jesus because they wanted to see what Jesus would do. Have you ever had some people who got close in proximity to you because they wanted to see what you were gonna do? (laughs) Am I talking to the right crowd here? I think there are a couple of people who can wink at me that you understand what I'm talking about here. There's some people in your life you have some lurkers. Sometimes you have people in your life, there's some stalkers, there's some onlookers. There's some online people who are creeping on your page trying to figure out what you're doing. They're only around, not so that they can support you, not so that they can encourage you, but so that they can look at you, so that they can see what you're gonna do next. And it's interesting because Jesus was the main attraction to a lot of people. Jesus was the one who was going to entertain. Jesus was the one who was going to make people in in their minds feel as though they were gonna see a good show for the glory of God. But here's the problem, church. They didn't realize, and we better realize it, Jesus didn't come to entertain. Jesus came to save. (laughs) Let me say it again, church. Jesus didn't come to entertain. Jesus came to save. And if you're going to follow after Jesus, you must realize that some of us misunderstand this reality that Jesus did not come 
to make us feel better about ourselves or the situation we may find ourselves in first. That comes later. Jesus came to actually complete a mission that was given to him before the foundation of the earth. Jesus was so focused and mission driven that he's not about entertaining you. He's about changing you. He's about saving you. He's about transforming you. And I think there's a few people who need to say once again, make a fresh commitment. I'm not here for Jesus to entertain me. I'm here so that I can look more like Jesus. Once I'm done with this life, I'm here so that Jesus can get glory out of my life. I'm not just here to be a spectator. I'm not just here to be an onlooker. I'm not just here to see the next miracle, I'm not here to be entertained, I'm here to be saved. And Jesus had to deal with this. He didn't come to entertain. He didn't come to, to make, make them more happy about the situation that they were in. He came in order to transform them and save them. But it's not just that. Jesus also realized that the crowd came to use him. Crowd came to see him, see what he's going to do next. Crowd also came to use him. Notice here in Luke chapter 19, specifically in verse 35, it says they brought it to Jesus threw their cloaks on the coat and put Jesus on it. Now, as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. Now, this is important because of what we see in another passage. Another passage is Mark chapter 11. This is another account of this again in one of those synoptic gospels. And in Mark chapter 11, verse nine, this is what it says. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, for some of you who have been in church for a long time, you already know what Hosanna means. Hosanna means save us now. It is not just simply a, a praise. It is also a plea. It is not just simply a, a empty word of adulation. It is also a request. It is a consideration. Save us now. Save us politically. Save us socially. Save us militarily. And this gets into the reality that they were trying to use Jesus in the way that they thought they needed Jesus to move, not in the way that Jesus had actually told them he was coming to move. They expected, because in this time, they were under the occupation of Rome. This was Roman occupied land. They were the oppressed and the Romans were the oppressors. They were in the place of being the second class citizens in society, whatever Rome said actually went. And so they thought that they could use Jesus for their own ends. I know there's not any people in here who would ever think to use Jesus to accomplish what you want for yourself. I know this is not that church. These are not those, those people. I know that's not me either, right? It couldn't be. We couldn't ever want to use Jesus for our own ends. I think you probably know I'm being sarcastic, but truth of the matter is all of us are guilty of trying to create and craft a Jesus who will fit our image rather than us trying to conform to his image. We all are guilty of trying to use God for our own gain. We all are guilty of trying to use God for what we can get. We all are guilty of coming to God just because of the benefits that God is going to give to us. And Jesus was being used in this reality. Jesus was being set apart and he was being plead. He was being pleaded with so that he could save them materially. Save us politically, Jesus. Put, put the right person in power, Jesus. This is what they were trying to say. 
The truth of the matter is we cannot come to God and assume that we can set the agenda for what God is going to do. I'm going to say it again. We can't come to God and assume that we can set the agenda for what God is going to do. God already knows what God is going to do, and God knows best what God is going to do. We can't use Jesus for our own gain. And that's what the crowd was trying to do. Some in the crowd were trying to see some in the crowd were actually trying to use. And the third thing is some in the crowd came to condemn. Notice this in Luke chapter 19, verse 39. In verse 39, it says some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, when they saw the blessings, when they saw the fact that they were seeing Hosanna, Hosanna, they said, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to keep quiet. We're sick of you. We've had to deal with you for so many years. We've had to deal with you talking and, and predicting your own greatness. We've had to deal with you doing the miracles. We've had to deal with all the people leading us to follow you because it was really all about power in the end. It wasn't about whether or not they were theologically right. It was about who was politically powerful. Jesus, we've had to deal with you for this long time. Rebuke your disciples. It goes on to say that in verse 37, every day Jesus was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill Jesus. They came to see Jesus condemned. But watch this. Many people in the crowd were clapping. As a matter of fact, many of the same people who were clapping for Jesus in Luke 19, just a couple of chapters later would be saying, crucify him, crucify him. Give us Barabbas instead. Here's a reality. You should know this by now. Everyone who applauds you is not for you. <laughs> Everyone who applauds you is not on your side. Everyone who says that they're behind you is not really behind you. Some of the people who are behind you are actually trying to get a better angle to stick the knife in your back. Everyone who applauds you is not for you. Everyone who talks so great about you is not talking from a pure heart and a pure motive. And Jesus realizes this and Jesus realizes the fact that some people are here to condemn him. Some people are here because they're after his life. Some people are, who are here are actually here to crucify him. So what do we do? What should we do when we are misunderstood, church? What did Jesus do when he was misunderstood? I'm going to give you three things, then I'm going to let you go. I hope you're able to take this and write this down. And I hope that in times of misunderstanding, you'll be able to have something to use to remind yourself. Number one is this. The first thing that you have to realize the first thing you have to say in your heart is the crowd is not your calling. Somebody put calling in the chat. Somebody put calling in the chat. Something that you may not have noticed about Jesus in this story. While all this is going on with the crowd around him, lauding him, speaking toward him, lifting him up. Catch this. Jesus never speaks to the crowd. <laughs> Did you notice this? Jesus never speaks to the crowd. In the Luke 19 account of this passage, which is our text, Jesus speaks about the crowd at the end of the passage, but he doesn't speak to the crowd. Now, the problem with most of us is we is not that there's a crowd who is talking to us or talking about us. Many times the problem with us when it comes to the crowd is that we are obsessed with what the crowd actually thinks. Some of us think that if the crowd says something about us, we have to manage what the crowd says. 
We have to manage their perceptions. We have to manage the fact that they've said something. We have to put out a statement that clarifies who we are and what we represent and that what you said is not true of me. And here's the reality, church. I know that some of y'all have different callings in life and I may not know your specific calling, but here's something you need to know. Crowd control is not in your job description. (laughs) Can I say it again? Crowd control is not in your job description. I am not responsible for everything that everyone thinks about me just because they said they think in it. I am not responsible for someone else's misunderstanding. I don't have to prove myself to other people who ultimately I will not be able to stand before and give an account to. I don't have to let people know and let them in on every little reasoning that I have for what I do and why I do it. You better be careful about trying to control the crowd. Jesus was silent toward the crowd. Some days the crowd gonna like you and applaud you. Other days the crowd is gonna say crucify him, crucify her crucify them. Some days the crowd is going to be behind you. Other days the crowd is going to be trying to attack you. Some days the crowd is going to lift you up as an example. Other days the crowd is going to lift you up as a negative example. Sometimes the crowd is going to be behind your actions. Sometimes the crowd is going to critique every little thing that you do. And I'm here to free some people today. Crowd control is not in your job description. Let people have a misunderstanding about you. Practice it right now. Can I help you out? I want to set you free today. I want you to type in the comments these three words. Whatever you say. Type in the comments. Whatever you say. The next time people tell you what somebody else said about you. Whatever you say. The next time someone inserts their opinion about what you should and shouldn't do. Whatever you say. The next time somebody critiques you and say, you still over there, you still doing this, you still doing that, you still hanging around this person, you still saying this, you still, whatever you say. Let people remain in a misunderstanding and misconception about what you are. Don't give them any energy, church. Don't spend time writing paragraphs on social media, explaining yourself about every little thing. You better know who you're supposed to explain yourself to and who you need to block. (laughs) There are some people you don't need to give them an understanding. You need to unfriend them. Let me move on. Let me move on. Too much. Be careful. Crowd control is not in your job description. Number two, here's what you need to realize. Crowd is not your calling. Your mission is your mandate. The calling is the big macro. That's the big thing that you're called to in the entirety of your life. Your mission may be something in a micro sense, something that you are doing right now. Remember that you have a mandate to fulfill the mission of God in the little things that you are doing in your life. Jesus was keenly aware of this fact. Jesus did not allow what people thought and said to deter him from the mission of getting to that cross. Imagine if Jesus had delayed. Imagine if Jesus had said, you know what? I guess I'll sit here and bask in a little bit of this applause. You know what? I guess I'll try to sun the Pharisees a little bit more. You know what? I guess I'll go to the temple and I'll debate with some of the people just to show people how smart I am. You know what? I guess I'll hang out here. You know, it's, it's nice getting this applause. You know, people for so long, you know, they misunderstood me and they put me down. They've said I'm a failure. You know what they said, right? They said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, look at me now, huh? Look at me now, look at all the people. 
Your mandate is not to bask in what other people think about you. Your mission is your mandate. Have you wasted time on what should be your mission? Because you've been basking what other people have said positively about you. This is different than just the crowd. The crowd is fickle, but there are some people who you really want their approval. And your mandate hasn't been your mission. Your mandate has been to win their applause. Your mandate has been for them to notice you. Your mandate has been for them to think highly of you. I'm here to tell you that the only opinion that matters is the one who you will stand before at the end. That's my mandate. My mandate is to complete the mission that God has given to me. Nothing else. Nothing less than the mission God has given to me. Anything else, it's gravy. It's just icing on the cake. It's a benefit. It's all grace that God has given to me. But if you like me, that's okay. If you don't like me, that's okay too. You're not my mandate. My mission is my mandate. Not being misunderstood. And number three, and this is most important, not just the crowd is not your calling, your mission is the mandate. The glory belongs to God. <laughs> you better remember this. In times where you are misunderstood, remember that you are not the center of this story. Remember that you are important, created in the image of God, beautiful, fearfully and wonderfully made. God looks on you and smiles. God looks upon all the things that you have been able to accomplish and is proud of you. Someone needs to hear that. God sees the fact that you have been persevering and striving and God is pleased with you. God says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Continue, keep going, keep pressing, keep pushing. I smile when I think of you. Some of you need to hear that. God is so pleased with you and proud of you, but never forget this. No matter how proud God is of you, you don't get the glory for your life. You don't get the glory for your story. You don't get the glory for the chapter that you're in. You don't get the glory for the fact that you've been able to persevere in the midst of a pandemic. You don't get the glory for the fact that you've been able to prosper when other people have been in poverty. You don't get the glory for the fact that you have been able to thrive in a time that is very difficult and tense for so many people. You don't get the glory for that. The glory only belongs to God. Here's what you need to understand. Palm Sunday is really about praise. <laughs> Palm Sunday is really about who gets the glory. Notice what Jesus says to the Pharisees. He says in verse 40 that if they don't cry out, the very stones will cry out. Why? Because the point is the praise. The point is who gets the glory. The point is who gets the adoration. The point is who gets the applause. The point is who is able to be able to stand up and say, this is the person, this is the reason why I am here today. And I'm here to tell you, church, some of you need to be reminded that you don't exist on your own. You're not standing on your own two feet by yourself. You didn't bring yourself here. You didn't save yourself. You didn't redeem yourself. You didn't sanctify yourself. You didn't bring yourself out. You didn't deliver yourself. It is only the grace of God. Can someone lift your hands up right now and give God a wave offering for how good God has been for you, how good God has been to you, how much grace God has given to you, how much glory God deserves. See, some of y'all remember where you were. Some of you remember where you were at the beginning of the pandemic. Some of you remember where you were when Jesus found you. Some of you remember where you were and you remember how much God brought you from. Can you give him a wave offering right now? 
Can you clap your hands, all ye people, if you believe that the glory belongs to God? Jesus says this, the rocks will cry out because it's all about praise. And some people praise in bad motives. Some people praise for the wrong reasons. But I want to be the type of person who praises with a proper understanding of Jesus, knowing that there is only one name under heaven and earth by which we might be saved. There is only one name that is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. There is only one name that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess as Lord. That's the name of Jesus. And we wave our imaginary palm branches today. And we say to the King, we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We give you all the praise because the glory belongs to you. Lift your hands up wherever you are and give that God some praise right now in your own way, out of the fruit of your lips. Give God the praise, the glory, the adoration. God, I love you. God, I honor you. God, I thank you. God, you are high and lifted up. God, you are worthy of every ounce of the glory. It's not me who brought me here. It's not me who got me to this place. It's not me who brought me out of that situation. It's not me who blessed me. And someone who's been saved for 10, 20, 30 years needs to remind themselves of the fact that it is God who is worthy of all the glory. It is God who is worthy of all the praise. It is God who is worthy of all the honor. And God, we come before you right now and we lift you up and we say the glory belongs to you. The most important misunderstanding and misconception is not about what the crowd thinks about us. It's about what we think about you. May you correct our vision that we may see clearly how great and mighty you are. May we lift up the King. May we lift up the Lord of Lords. May we lift up the one who came in to Jerusalem on a donkey, but is going to come back on a white horse, who is going to come back with all power, who is going to come back with all might, who is going to come back with all love, with all compassion, with all peace, with all justice. The name of Jesus, may the name of Jesus be lifted high. May that name draw all people to himself. The glory belongs to you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, church, I hope you have a wonderful Palm Sunday. Never forget, as you're entering into Holy Week, that the glory belongs to Jesus. Well, hey, everybody, this is Pastor Tyler again. Thank you so much for tuning in to the NDCC online worship experience. So if you want to take a step in God, I want to pause here. You know, normally I just breeze through this and say, hey, you can just put home in the comments or text home to the number at the bottom of the screen. But I think there might be someone out there who genuinely wants to have an encounter with God who wants to make a decision to follow Jesus. If that's you, I just want you to lift up your hands right now. You can type home in the comments, but right now, first, I just want you to lift up your hands. And I just want you to say, even repeating after me, if that's you, if you say, God, I wanna give my life to you for real this time. I wanna follow you in everything that I say and I do, transform and change my life. Lift up your hands and say, God, come into my heart and save me. I repent of my sins. I repent of the way that I've been going, and I just want to follow you. Thank you for the example of Jesus. Thank you for what he's done on the cross. Thank you that he's an alive and risen, and thank you that I can make the choice to follow him. Come into my heart and save me. Transform me. Make me new. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, if you prayed that prayer, we're so excited. We're proud of you. We wanna celebrate you. We wanna be excited with you and walk with you as well. You can type home in the comments or text home to the number at the bottom of the screen. It means so much that we're able to introduce Jesus to you. Once again, if you did not have the opportunity to give earlier in the service, you can do so in two ways. You can go to ndccpensacola.org and click offerings, or you can mail it in to P.O. Box 6400, Pensacola, Florida, 32503. I hope to see you next week. And until then, be blessed, be safe, be healthy. We love you so much. Peace. Yo, really ain't nothing no We ain't been loving yo It's hard to choose, really hard not to lose You ain't throwing out the dose It's all for you It's all for you It's all for you Really ain't nothing no We ain't been loving yo It's hard to choose, really hard not to lose You ain't throwing out the dose It's all for you it's all for you. Yeah.